0: Sound Doctrine, part two. You ready for this? Amen. Amen. we got one guy. (laughs) Woo! Thank you, Robert. That's cool. So uh, let me read again from you from Titus, chapter two. I want to share with you what Paul said. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. And here's his definition. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith and love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be... Reverend in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine not to, and, and to teach what is good. Then, and they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set an example by doing what is good in your teaching to show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say. Teach slaves, those of us who have jobs, teach us to be subject to your masters and everything, or to your boss or your supervisor, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God or Savior attractive. That is sound doctrine. Can I get an amen on Sunday? Amen. Amen. That is sound doctrine. And I had a little whiteboard up here last week. I didn't bring it back this week because I don't want to write anymore and you couldn't read it anyway. But uh, that is what sound doctrine really is. Now, you know, a lot of times we think that sound doctrine is some particular theology or doctrine about the church and there's a place for all of that. But I want us to really understand that the sound doctrine about which Paul is writing to teach Titus, to teach the church is how you live in the world. It's not how you do church. There is a difference because how we do church doesn't attract those who are in the world. Do you understand that? I was chatting with Jason just before. I won't mind sharing this because we were talking about it. But we were talking about churches in, in our fellowship who are acapella. Did you know we're one of the unique churches in all of the world who are acapella? Our fellowship? There aren't many like us. And that's okay that there aren't many like us. But here's who we are. And this is what we do. and it's what we'll continue to do. But that isn't what... Attracts people necessarily to Jesus. You get what I'm saying? Amen. That isn't what attracts people. To, now, confession. I love singing. If I had my druthers, Brandon would preach and I would lead singing. <laughs> He's shaking his head no. He doesn't want to preach. I love to lead singing. I love to sing. I love to sing acapella. When I was in high school and college, I sang with the acapella choir because I, I love doing that stuff. I love it. But I also like going to the philharmonic. It's pretty cool to hear some of that stuff sometimes. But I love to sing. So guys, let's take pride in that. Let's enjoy it. Let's embrace it. Thanks for playing the song. Well, we learned that some more because it made a huge difference in how we can adapt and sing that song. But understand that the sound doctrine that Paul is talking about is doing good in the world so that the gospel of Christ may become even more attractive. And it isn't attractive because of just... What you and I call theology, it's attractive because of who we are. Does this make sense? That's sound doctrine. So Paul goes on. He doesn't stop here. He says this. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, eager to do what is good. I wish I could say that the world around us was eager to do what is good. But you know as well as I do, they aren't. If you don't believe me, just turn on the news. See what they're playing, hour after hour after hour. There are very few news reports that talk about people doing good. It used to be, years ago, I don't know that they do it so much anymore, but it used to be that the 30 minute or one hour news broadcast at six o'clock in the evening, especially the national news, at the very end of the program, they would show one nice, warm, fuzzy feeling story. Remember those days? We don't even get many of those anymore. The world is not necessarily built around doing good. But you and I, in our lives, and living out this healthy teaching, this sound doctrine that Paul is talking about, should give ourselves to doing good. Now, how do you go about doing that? How do you go about doing what is good? Well, there are a couple of things Paul mentions here. First of all, uh, don't give in to ungodliness. Don't chase after the worldly passions. What is it that God has called us to do? Who has he called us to be? What kind of people are we to be in the world? Self-controlled, upright, people who live godly lives. What does a godly life look like? Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Slander no more, be peaceable and considerate. Always be gentle toward everyone. I couldn't figure out how to download it or I would have shown it today. But I saw the coolest video this week on something that I have in social media. I don't know what it was. But it was this little boy. And he's packed his little backpack. And he puts in two Twinkies and two bottles of apple juice. And he's standing at the front door. And mom asked him, he says, son, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to find God. And so he goes out and he he must live in New York or Chicago because he gets on the subway and he takes off and he comes out in this little park area. And there's a lady sitting there and by all all things in in the video, it looks like this lady might be a homeless gal. And so he sits down by this lady and they start talking and he pulls out a Twinkie and he starts eating his Twinkie. And you can just tell by the facial expressions of the lady sitting by him that she would love to have a Twinkie. And guess what the little boy does? He pulls out a Twinkie and he hands it to her. And she's so excited. And she eats the Twinkie. And after they finish the Twinkie, because Twinkies are a little hard to get down without something to wash it down, he pulls out a bottle of juice and he begins to drink it. And he pulls out another juice and he hands it to the lady. And they have a wonderful visit and they finish their Twinkies and apple juice. And he says, the little boy says, well, I have to go home now. And he scoots off and he takes off and he goes home. And then the scene breaks away and the lady who shared the Twinkie goes and sits at another park bench. And when the little boy gets home, his mother asks him, did you find God? And he said, yes. And she's a woman. And then it breaks away to the lady who shared the Twinkie and the apple juice with the little boy and this other gal who's sitting by two homeless ladies sitting on a park bench. The one asked the other, how's your day? And she said, it was wonderful. She said, I found God today and he doesn't look anything like I expected him to look. Can you share a Twinkie? Can you share an apple juice? How hard is that? How hard is that? I'm telling you guys, when I'm on the road, I don't eat lunch alone. I don't eat lunch alone. And it's not because I have appointments at lunch. It's because I look for opportunities to be kind to someone. Can you share a Twinkie? Paul talks about how we used to live, he says, our old selves. We were foolish, we were disobedient. We were deceived, we were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasure. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating anyone and everyone. Have you watched the news lately? Does that sound like anything you've seen? We have two political parties who are wrecking each other up and one group is doing this and the other group is trying to do this and the other group does this and the other group does this and, the does this, and they'll never come together because they're all living in malice and they're living in envy. One party is still upset because they didn't win an election. The other party is upset because they're trying to take this man out. And I don't care if you like anybody in there. They're living in a state of malice and hatred toward one another. And that is not who we're supposed to be. That has nothing to do with us as believers in Christ. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. This world is not my home. My citizenship is in heaven. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, even hundreds of generations have passed since Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven. And do you realize that believers have lived under all kinds of political groups? And for some strange reason, we keep surviving. You and I are called to be different. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs of the hope of eternal life. That is the promise we have. And if you understand that promise, how can you not live a good life? How could you be upset with your neighbor? How could you be upset with the world that you live in? We have the greatest gift in all of the world. The promise is real. When God gave us the Holy Spirit, He didn't just give us this Holy Spirit thing indwelling us. It's the down payment promising and guaranteeing the home in heaven that we have. The world needs to hear that. They need to see that through the goodness that comes out in our lives. Is this a trustworthy saying? And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. So uh, if I could just ask this question. To what are you devoted simple question to what are you devoted my wife must have gone to the nursery because she's not sitting here but we're driving to church this morning and I made a statement guys you ever made one of those statements that didn't come out right (laughs) you've never done that talk to me after I'll show you how so we're driving to church, and I make this statement. Now, I've been married 40 years to this gal. Same woman, 40 years. And I make this statement. You know, if I wasn't married to you, I'd, not, I'd be doing things differently. Oh, boy, was that the wrong thing to say. She interpreted that like, well, if you don't like it, don't let the door hit you. And I almost quoted her verbatim there. And I'm like, no, 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 I didn't mean it that way. She's like, well, that's what I heard. I am devoted to this woman. Yeah, if we, if something, God forbid, something happened to her, I'd do some things differently. But I didn't say that because I want to do things differently in spite of her. I'm telling you, man, I'd move heaven and earth for her. I just would. And I know there's some of you in this room who are sitting by that special person right now in your life, and you would do the exact same thing, and you wouldn't change anything in the world, and you'd do everything that you can to make it better. Amen? Amen? I ain't hearing no men say nothing. What are you doing? Come on, guys, wake up. Wake up. Amen? Amen? Amen. That's right. Give me the deep, the deep voice. When God called us, he's called us to be devoted and devotion means you give all that you have. You give all that you have. I'm devoted to my wife. I'm devoted to Christ. Who are you devoted to? Sound doctrine is about being good in a world that's full of all kinds of evil and bad things. Paul warns us. He says, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, arguments, and quarrels about the law. Because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn it of us if person once, and then warn them a second time after that, don't have anything to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful, they're self-condemned. And I'm telling you guys, church, listen to me. We can get caught up in some of the craziest, silliest, arguments and fusses and fumes about things that have nothing to do with being good in the name of Jesus. Amen? Okay, I'm preaching to the wrong church. I'm telling you, we can get caught up in stuff sometimes that has nothing to do with us being good in the name of Jesus. And I challenge you to filter your life through living in a state of healthy, sound, teaching, and doctrine, which causes you to be good in the name of Christ. I know that there are some erroneous teachings in the world. I get that. There is some wild and crazy stuff done in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, some wild and crazy stuff. But do you think that's any different today than it was in the time of Christ? I mean, Jesus himself. Before he went to the cross, he said, look, there are going to be people coming after me who are going to claim to be the Messiah. They're going to claim to be me. Don't pay any attention to them. Jesus knew there would be some crazy stuff done in the name of religion and in his name. He knew that. He warned us about it. But I'm telling you, church, you and I need to be concerned with how to live good. Paul concludes this letter, he says, Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. There's a verse of Scripture where Paul says, I encourage you to live quiet lives, working with your hands. Anybody know how this finishes? So that what? We have something to share with others. Live a quiet life, working with your hands, so that you may have something to share with others. I'm not against retirement, not at all. Matter of fact, Lynn and I talked about that this morning coming to church too. That was on the calendar. We talked about the RV that we're never going to (laughs) buy until we retire. Guys, there's so much that you and I can do around us every day. There are people all around us who need to see goodness exuding from us and coming out of us. Like the aroma. You know, Paul talks about we are the aroma of Christ. And I don't know if you know anything about aromas, but you can't really contain aromas. Have you watched, walked into Macy's lately? You walk into Macy's it's like, whoa! Just walked into the latest, greatest perfume parlor. Because that's all you smell when you walk in there. It's all that conglomeration of all of those smells from the perfume bottles. You can't contain that. God has called us through Christ, to be good in a world and to do good things. And that is sound doctrine. So as we leave here this morning, my encouragement to all of us is to truly live as Jesus would have us to live, living good lives, doing good things for others. Because in the name of Jesus, doing good things in their lives, that is what will attract them to Jesus. And I'm glad that you understand theology I'm glad that you understand some of the correct teachings about different things in the Bible. But I'm telling you right now, most people don't start there with Jesus. They don't start there. They start because you and I have done something in their lives that causes them to see that we care, that we love, that we want their best. And not just for right now, But we even want their best for eternity. So I invite you to join me. Let's go on a journey together. Let's go through this community. Let's go through this world this week and seek out opportunities to do good to those who are around us. So we can truly spread the sound doctrine that Paul talks about. Brandon is going to come and lead us in this song as we sing it. I invite you to consider your walk with Christ. If for some reason you haven't been walking the way that you believe God wants you to, come and let us pray with you. Let's ask God to renew and refresh that spirit that lives within you so that you can walk out of here and do wonderfully good things in the name of Jesus. And for those of you who have heard the message of Jesus and you've seen the goodness of the church, but you've never given your life to Jesus, there's something that you have to do first. You have to die. You just have to die. You have to die to yourself and stop living just for you. And you have to make that decision, what we call the good confession. That Jesus truly is the Lord of your life and he died for your sins. Wash away all of your past life and sins in a watery grave that we call baptism. And that's where you die. And when you die, you get to come alive again. And you get to come before all of us and stand before God and everyone around you and begin to live that goodness and wholeness of life that God through Christ has called you to live. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come So we stand and sing the song. Savior.